I'm Kaitel. And I'm Joe. And we're the United Mates. Back in our school days, a shared passion for football brought us together as best friends. Today, we're separated by an ocean. I live in our hometown, London. And these days, I live in LA. But we still enjoy nothing more than chatting about the beautiful game. So we started a podcast. Join us. A few more old mates from school here and there. And new friends too from the world of professional football and beyond. This is the United Mates Football Podcast. Hello, hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. Today, as ever, I am being joined virtually in Los Angeles, California, by my co-host Joe, who's in our hometown, London, and we are both thrilled to be in the company of a special guest for this podcast. From Canada, we have the host of the Serbian Football Show and the man behind at Serbian Footy on Twitter. We're very much looking forward to getting stuck into today's conversation about all things relating to the proud footballing nation of Serbia. And so it's our pleasure to have an Orlovi aficionado with us. Welcome, Milos, to the United Mates Football Podcast. Milos, thank you for joining us. How are things no going problem. for you up in Toronto? It's going good. Snow's finally done. Hopefully uh, the good weather's here to stay. Can relate to the good weather. Joe, I don't know about that. I haven't been back to London in a little <laughs> while. It's been sort of a crazy time recently in the world of football, but in particular, I, as an Arsenal fan, have been reveling in the craziness that has been your beloved Tottenham in particular recently so at the weekend you lost in the final of a cup sponsored by the thai energy drink that nobody has actually ever tried before so how are you feeling <laughs> after a very spursy couple of weeks so to speak oh it's it's just same old same old really isn't it i mean like you said it has been a crazy couple of weeks for everyone really in the world of football but tottenham just you know we've managed to get a cup final in there as well so there we have it and Nogsman's gone to Bayern oh, gutting absolutely gutting but anyway uh, Milos it's great to have you on the podcast and when we start our episodes we always um, pose an icebreaker question to group first so um, we're aware that the Serbian national side's nickname is the Eagles and um, beyond that we can see on Twitter that your um, Serbian football logo has the, um, the double-headed eagle on it so mm-hmm. on that note Considering the famous saying that two heads are better than one, um, today's icebreaker is a bit of a weird one. Um, the question is, if you had to have anybody else's head attached to your body, whose would it be and why? Uh, probably Elon Musk, just just for the money. <laughs> Good shout uh, that's a, a deep, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the money, is that's, that's a good enough reason of any other. I think I'd have to, um, I'd have to have Maurizio Pochettino's head just so I could talk to him about good <laughs> and relive those memories. But, um, Kai, how about you? Who, whose head have you ever touched to the body? Well, I'm sticking with, I guess, sports, but I'm going outside of football to the notorious MMA himself, Conor McGregor. I think. As it goes, if I did have to have somebody else's head stuck on my body, relatively speaking, we wouldn't actually look that off in a sense that we're both <laughs> bearded redheads. And um, then honestly, if anyone ever just talks shit to me, then I could say, oh, yeah, well, why don't you say that to his face then? And yeah, presumably <laughs> that would be enough to intimidate my enemies. Uh, plus, then we would also get to have Conor McGregor on the podcast with us every week as well. So it'd be a bit of a win-win. Uh, moving on from the icebreaker. 
Um, Milos, before we get into some chat about the current state of Serbian football and then a, a game that we have lined up for uh, later on, uh, we want to know a little bit about your personal relationship with the beautiful game. So Milos, how would you describe your football origins? What are some early memories you have of watching or playing football and how did it become such a passion of yours? Sure. First, uh, I'll just touch on what you mentioned about Tottenham and Arsenal and the cup. Um, since you mentioned it, uh, I'm sure you remember Nikola Zhigic uh, for Birmingham City scoring the winner in the cup against Arsenal. I was at that game. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it all comes uh, full circle since you're talking about Syrian football and, and the big man that uh, scored a couple goals against Arsenal, actually. Now, he didn't score many for Birmingham, but he was always a thorn in Arsenal's side. So there you go. And as far as uh, history of football and all that, um, it's hard to say. <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, I think it's just something that you're when you're from europe eastern europe Serbia, any place like that football is the number one thing that everybody loves and uh the earliest memories i have is just probably watching red star belgrade on, on the tv back in those, those days when i was smaller they were in the champions league uh winning the champions league and, and back then also the national team wasn't able to play due to the sanctions because of the war going on so don't really have much memories of the national team until you know the qualifying for the 1998 World Cup. But before that, they weren't even allowed to play for four years of international football. So most early memories are of Restar Belgrade, the league back then in the former Yugoslavia and, and the great games and the great crowds uh, that caught my attention as a young as a young guy. Well, I'll ask you while, while we have you here, I referenced, what was it, Orlovi in the beginning. Did I say that properly? Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty close. Yeah. Okay. And then would you be so kind as to give us the uh, the proper name for Red Star Belgrade? Because I'm going to just butcher that. <laughs> it's Srvena Zvezda Belgrade. Perfect. Perfect. I'm not going to try to repeat that. But <laughs> as far as um, the Serbian football account and the Serbian football show podcast, what has that experience been like for you in terms of essentially spearheading content creation that not only, you know, entertains and informs, but also brings together a global community of Serbian football fans. Honestly, it's amazing. I've made a lot of great friends. Like uh, I host a podcast with a Serbian guy that lives in Washington, D.C., another Serbian guy that lives in Adelaide, Australia, another Serbian guy that lives in Belgrade. And I wouldn't even know them if it wasn't for my Twitter account and meeting them through that and having a joint you know, similar passion that is Serbian football. So it's unreal. And I didn't think I'd ever have any, a lot of followers or anything like that. I was just sharing a passion and then slowly it grew. And I never even thought that there were people in places like Turkey or Malaysia or, or um, China or Japan, Korea that were passionate and crazy about Serbian football. Um, it really caught me off, caught me off guard. Uh, there's hardcore Serbian football fans that aren't even Serbian in, in many countries in Asia and Africa and South America. And that's been the most amazing thing, to be honest, because I only thought that we cared about it because we're a small country in Eastern Europe. So I didn't think we had that much reach, but we had a lot of great players over the years. So I guess those players had their own fans and then those fans became fans of Serbia and the national team and the clubs and, and following them. Right. So uh, it's been really amazing to connect with so many people, so many different cultures, races, religions, and they all have the same common denominator, the same common bond is their love for the Serbian national team and Serbian football. And that's really amazing. 
Well, yeah, no, we know how football can connect people and podcasts too. So I think, you know, you've combined two very nice things there. But um, Milos, you mentioned the word passion earlier. And I think it's um, safe to say that Serbian fans are famous for being incredibly passionate supporters. So I just wanted to know, why do you think Serbian fans are so passionate? Oh, I think it's just uh, those Slavic genetics, right? <laughs> Hot-headed Passion. We're very passionate people, very uh, emotional people. You know, uh, we celebrate, we celebrate well. And when things are sad, we're sad well as well. <laughs> so it's just, we're very expressive and emotional people in general and also competitive, love sports. So just a combination of those things is what really uh, plays into it. And everybody is also likes to feel part of something, especially for the clubs like Partizan and Red Star. The fans love to feel part of that community, part of the fan groups. Uh, so it's just a, a community, a, a collective thing that drives everyone. And then also just, as I mentioned, our genetics were just very fiery, passionate people throughout history. And, and now it's, you know, it just translates to, to sports as well. No, that is that's certainly true. There's a there's a lot of passion there, and it's great to see. I mean, you know, there's that famous um, clip of walking through the kind of tunnel underneath Red Star Belgrade. Right. You hear all that the amazing noise, and all just yeah, the whole thing, the whole thing's fantastic. But um, the earthquake. Yes, the earthquake exactly. But on um on a less positive note, actually, in in recent years there have been some incidents where Serbian supporters have been punished by UEFA for moments of racism and clearly this isn't um this isn't a problem um isolated just to serbia you just have to look in the uk here that racism is a major problem here within football um but what i'd be interested to know is looking forward to the future do you see these incidents in serbia do, do you believe that they will start to happen less or do you think this is still a problem in the serbian football game perhaps in the in the domestic leads what you what's your what's your opinion on that I think they're just there's always going to be idiots, right? So it's not nothing you can do about it. Uh, I know the just recently, I think Ibrahimovic was in Belgrade, and you know one fan was saying derogatory things to him as well. So just there's always going to be isolated idiots or two or three idiots that make you know that provoke players, say things racially and stuff like that. It's very unfortunate, but. I mean, what can you do other than educate and, and try to make them understand that it's not okay to say things like that or behave like that? But it's, I don't think that's going to change. Um, I also, I don't think many of them even realize that they're being racist when they're doing these things or saying these things because it's just in countries in Eastern Europe, there aren't, uh, you know, there aren't Black people. So it's just, things they're not they don't have friends that are a different race so they don't understand how some things can be hurtful so i i don't think many of them are e even understand or they're just ignorant they don't really know uh, what they're saying of course we live in the west we live in in england so we, we live in multicultural communities so it's easier for us to understand what the proper and correct things are to say and how you're supposed to uh, you know approach certain situations and how people can be sensitive to certain things and, and certain names and all that but in many places in the world uh, where they're not, you know, there's not that much diversity or there's not, you know, there's just one, one group or a couple of groups. It's, it's, it's not, not that way. So I, I really don't think it, there aren't, there haven't been that many incidents, you know, it's every 
now and then every year or two or so and there's a couple idiots chanting something or somebody says something to a player i know recently there was a couple of years ago when the partisan players was subject to race racial abuse uh but when that does happen everybody does condemn it and they get punished and all that but at the end of the day you can't you can take a you know you can take a horse to water but you can't make a drink so unfortunately i don't think stuff like that is going to stop but hopefully it happens less and less frequently yes well i think we can all agree that that would be great going forward and not just in serbia across every country where football is played but um mm-hmm. let's let's talk a bit about the serbian national team now so of course the euros is taking place this summer and unfortunately serbia won't be taking part obviously there was the dramatic penalty shootout against scotland our neighbors over in england um, and scotland of course won that penalty shootout but on a more positive note serbia have started well in their um, group for the 2022 um, qualifying for the World Cup in Qatar. So, I mean, assuming Serbia qualified, I mean, it's early days, but it looks like there's a good chance that they will. Are you confident that Serbia can make a real impact upon that tournament in 2022? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's a, it's a long road to qualifying and I'm not, you know, counting uh, the, the chickens yet before they hatch, but we have a very talented side, most talented side we had in a very long time. So, the players are there. The talent is there. We can always surprise. We can always do things. But I think the main thing is just believing in a system and a coach and then playing together as a team because Serbia has always had quality, high quality, world-class players, you know, throughout the last 20, 30 years. So it's nothing new to have good players. It's just, they don't general, generally, we don't have a, a manager that works with them well on the national team. They can't find a system that works. Things are always changing. There's not a lot of continuity. There's not a lot of uh, things that function well. So the key will be to, uh, so far, so good. It looks like under a new manager, Dranjstojkovic, he seems to have the team motivated and they're together and it's a good atmosphere around the team. So it's a positive start, but he's going to have to continue that. He's have to keep building and keep the group as a unit and help them grow. Otherwise, we're, we're probably not going to qualify. And we're gonna, even if we do qualify, it probably won't be a good tournament. So uh, I think we have a lot of talent, a lot of chances to do well at the next couple of tournaments. A lot of our players are coming into their prime years now, guys like uh, Milinko Savic and Luka Jovic, Mitrovic, guys like that. They're coming to those years where it's going to be their prime and, and their top class players. So it's a lot, a lot is, a lot is uh, on the line right now. Uh, you don't want to waste their prime years by not going to a major tournament. So there's a lot of pressure on the team and, and all the fans as well are, you know, we're desperate for a good result after the disappointment of Scotland, but we'll see everything here is always very uncertain because <laughs> we never know uh, if it's going to work out or if there's going to be a new controversy, something crazy is going to happen. So right now, cautiously optimistic based on what we've seen from the first three games things look good team looks organized team looks motivated looks like they're listening to their coach they believe in the coach uh but who knows what will happen it's a long campaign yeah even more uncertain just in the world of football generally in these coronavirus times who who really does know what is going to happen with the nature of of these upcoming tournaments but you reference sort of the, the pool of talent that uh, Serbia and that region have had to draw from over the past couple of decades. I just wonder on obviously the days of Yugoslavia and even, you know, Serbia and Montenegro have come and gone. But 
is there any from a purely footballing perspective kind of desire to have been able to continue to pool these resources once you've been able to in the past as far as players like I'm just thinking of Stefan Jovetic, Stefan Savic in the past, someone like Amirko Vucinic, players who are quality players and even at a time you think might have been a possible missing link within within a Serbian team. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think even if you look at, like currently, if you look at the Serbian youth teams, there's players from Montenegro. Um, half the people that live in Montenegro consider themselves Serbian. So it's basically the same countries, similar people, same people. It's not, not nothing different. So there's a lot of Serbian players that play for Montenegro and there's players from Montenegro that have played for Serbia and that are playing for Serbia's youth team. So most of the players don't see any difference between the two countries. Um, and we can, you know, call players up from Montenegro just if they want to play for Serbia or not. <laughs> so that's, that's the only thing. And I think uh, players like Jovetic and Vucinic and guys like that, Stefan Savic, back when the countries first split in 2006, I believe there was an agreement in place that um, every player would go to, you know, the country there or the place they're from. So they didn't try to poach any of those players, but I think now it doesn't really matter anymore. There's guys from Serbia that have never even been to the Montenegro other than vacation that are playing for their national team <laughs> because it's, it's still considered like they were born in Serbia, Montenegro, Yugoslavia, so they have the right to play for either country. So it's just the rules, the way the rules are with uh, FIFA and UEFA, and Montenegro has taken advantage of that. Now, granted, most of those players, uh, you know, not really a loss for Serbia or, or you know, they, they're not, not that good. But some players we could have definitely used, like Adam Marišić from Lazio and, and Stefan Savic, of course. So guys like that would have been a big assistance. But I think in the future, there's going to be a lot of battles being fought between the Serbian FA and the Montenegrin FA over players. Um, especially some young talented players that are coming through that are from Montenegro and playing for Serbian clubs because all, most of it, all the clubs in Montenegro are really small. So once a player gets some exposure, they're usually bought up by clubs from Serbia or Red Star or Partizan. Um, so it's easy for us to uh, poach those players in a way because they already play for our clubs. They're in our league. And also it's easy for them to get players from Serbia because of the connection they have with the country it's the same language just bordering nations right there's not a big difference so i think there will be a lot of battles thought fought for players uh, and i think ooh, it's gonna be a lot of a lot of, a lot of that to come in the future for sure yeah, it's gonna be fascinating to see especially with this upcoming world cup fingers crossed serbia mm -hmm. do make it to see the future of, of the national side but on the domestic scene since the reformation of the top flight in 2006 as the Serbian Superliga, it's been all a couple of teams that you mentioned before, Partizan Belgrade and Red Star Belgrade. I think Vojvodina kind of, if I've said that correctly, taking up the token next best team place without ever actually having won the league. What do you make of the competition and standard of the league in Serbia? And where do you see room for improvement if there realistically can be any? Well, it's the two Belgrade clubs, restaurant partners, and they have all the money, they have all the fan support, all the sponsors. So it's a, it's a very uneven and unfair play, playing field um, because the smaller clubs, they, they don't get the support from the government that those clubs do. They don't get the support from uh, municipalities, uh, sponsors, or anything like that, like those clubs do. So it's a, it's just, it's a two horse race. And right now it's a one horse race with Red Star, which is, far ahead of well partisan is doing pretty well uh they always play well against red star but 
financially speaking, Rester has more money. They have a deeper squad. So it's just, I don't, I don't see how that's going to change um, unless there's some money that's, that's pumped into some of these smaller clubs. We are seeing uh, it now with uh, a club called uh, Bacchatopola. It's actually the, the club where Dusan Tadis started his career. They've been getting funded by the Hungarian government and, and some other businesses in the local municipality. So there's somebody that could potentially do something in the future if the investments keep flowing in and if they keep getting funded well. Um, in the Croatian League, the Hungarian government funded a similar club, NK Osijek, who is doing really, really well in the Croatian League and has been top four, top two, top three club in the last couple of years. So there is some opportunity there with them. But as I said, it's really difficult uh, when two clubs are getting all the money and they have all the fans or most of the fans. So I, I don't really know what the solution is. I wish that there was a way that, uh, you know, the smaller clubs could be helped more by the government and authorities, but they don't seem too interested in doing that. Uh, we see some historic clubs um, go under or have go through bankruptcy, go, some of them are playing in the third or fourth division right now. And the government just let that happen while pumping, you know, millions into the, into the two big Belgrade clubs. So a tough situation, the league quality, it's, it's all right. Um, Serbia will always produce good players. There's always good players in our league, but it's not uh, very balanced. This year, Rester hasn't lost a single game. You know, they played 30 something games so far and they haven't lost a single game. Partizan's, Partizan's lost, I think, uh, two or three games. So just tells you about the, the gap in quality and, and what's going on in the country. So I, I, it's been like that for a very long time. It's been like that basically for, for the last uh, forever. But in the Yugoslavia League, there was more clubs. Other clubs had money, like uh, Dinamo Zagreb, Hajduk Split. They had, more, uh, they had more support as well. So it was, more, it was more competition back then. Now just a two-horse race. And sometimes it's a one-horse race. Like the last few years of Red Starts hasn't really been close. So we'll, we'll see. I'm not really too optimistic about the league improving until the situation in the country improves and the leadership improves and the leaders get serious about helping all the football clubs and not just one or two football clubs. It's impressive that um, Red Star are going unbeaten, if not, I guess, as you sort of pointed to, a bit depressing, a bit of a sign of, of the times. But one game that they did actually famously lose a while back um, was to a team called, I believe, Sartid Smedarevo. I actually wrote not too long ago an article about one of their former players, Mirko Pantelic, who kind of mm -hmm. re-kick-started his career at that club and I believe scored the winning goal in a cup final for them against mm -hmm. Red Star. So it's nice that, you know, once upon a time, on occasion, these these upsets, it seems like, can still still happen in Serbian football, albeit not necessarily in the, the top-flight league. Um, but what's the fate of uh, Smedarevo these days? Yeah, well, back then they had uh, U.S. Steel. They had a steel, big steel company was was there, so they were investing money into the club. Uh, they built and renovated a nice new stadium, but you know, ever since then it's kind of dried up. I think they're now in the third division, barely alive. So it's a lot of clubs like that. Uh, FK Jagodina they won the cup a couple of years ago, or four or five years ago, and now they're languishing in the lower league as well. I think they're about to be relegated into the third division. So it just comes and goes. Sometimes these clubs have funding. Sometimes they have some support, some backing, but it only lasts for a year or two. And then, you know, it's back to, back to not being able to pay players, not being able to pay staff. And then 
they're they're basically done again. Well, I think to round things out for today, we want to take a bit of time to do something that we like to do whenever we have guests who are fans of specific clubs or from specific nations. And what we'd like to do is go at a, a draft type activity. And uh, we're going to be going kind of rolling back the years in a nostalgic way to create a 21st century Serbian 11. And uh, what we've done is compiled a list of successful Serbian footballers since the year 2000. We're going to make that into a starting lineup of the best of the best in each position to keep it kind of simple. It's a pretty standard 4-4-2 formation. And Milos, if there are any names that we have overlooked on this list, please feel free to throw them in. Sure. Um, but we'll start with the goalkeeper. And so I'm going to pose these to both you and Joe, and then Joe's going to flip the script and he'll be asking us about the rest of the positions and we'll kind of between him and I jump on and off between that. But the goalies to begin with, I've got Vladimir Stojkovic, Pedrag Rajkovic, Marko Dimitrovic, Zelkio Burkic as well. And I, I wanted to throw in, um, I know Milinkovic Savic's brother is a, is a keeper. He's a massive, massive goalkeeper actually even, but uh, I don't know if he's been capped at the senior level. So I don't know if he, if he's earned a spot, but of those names, and if I've missed anyone else out, is there somebody who you think is this 21st century goalkeeper for sure? Uh, there are a couple other names. Ivica Kral was the national team keeper for a long time. I would say, yeah, Rich as well uh, took the team to the really solid goalkeeper, took the team to the 2006 World Cup. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much the goalies. We have not produced a good goalie in a long time. Before the last couple of years, now we have Rajkovic who plays in League One and Dimitri who plays in La Liga. They're both very solid goalkeepers. Um, before that, we had Stojkovic for a long time. He was an okay goalkeeper, but he wasn't really playing much. He didn't have any success basically anywhere he went outside of Serbia. So he was hit and miss uh, as a keeper, had some good games, some bad games, some good moments, some bad moments. But I think this current crop of goalkeepers with uh, Rajkovic and Dimitrovic are by far our, our best keepers. Um, they're both playing in strong leagues, playing regularly. They're both relatively young as well. Um, so so that looks, looks good with them going forward. But in the last 20 years before then, it was, uh, it was a lot of uh, nervy moments in goal for sure. So would you say that one of those Dimitrovic or Rajkovic is, is going to take the place as our goalkeeper in this 11? I would say Rajkovic would be, would be the, the number one for sure. So we got Rajkovic from Milos. Joe, do you have an opinion on, on that? I think we were chatting about um, uh, Stojkovic in his lone spell at Wigan when he kind of graced the Premier League briefly. Um, but yeah, yeah go ahead, very Jack. briefly. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I have, you know, fond memories of that brief spell for Stojkovic. But, you know, I'm, you know, if, if Milos wants Rajkovic, I'm happy to go along <laughs> with Rajkovic. I think, yeah, Stojkovic maybe was more of a cult figure than a particularly talented cult. Yeah, he's he's definitely a character. <clears throat> I remember that that spell at Wigan. I think he had a couple, at Wigan, he had a couple of good saves, but he's very hot and cold goalkeeper <laughs> to say the least no most certainly is but, you know we've got our goalie so let's move on to um let's move on to the right backs now and we've got three choices for you um i think i might know who the answer is but let's go with these three so number one we have branislav ivanovic of course the um the man himself but then we've also got antonio rukovina who's playing at astana these days and then also um nenad tomovic as well so out of those three, Milos, is there one that is particularly <laughs> bringing to mind? 
Yeah, definitely uh, Ivanovic. Uh, he's, he's a legend, uh, great player, great man. But also, Adukovna was a very solid player as well, very underrated. Um, he's he stuck around for the national team forever. He was actually the starting right back in the last campaign for us because we have had no right backs coming through for a long time. Um, but Ivanovic, for sure, uh, a Serbian football legend and a legend at Chelsea as well. Yeah, no, he certainly was a legend at Chelsea, even in the Premier League to this day with West Brom. Um, but Kai, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you're going for Ivanovic, but do you have anything to say about the other two? Well, n- no, no, I don't really have much to say <laughs> about the other two. No disrespect to the guys, but Branislav Ivanovic, even as an Arsenal fan, the guy scored a few headers against us along the way in his Chelsea days, but I can't look further than Branislav Ivanovic, who is a world-class centre-back in his own right, as well as a top-quality right-back uh, back in the day, kind of an unconventional right-back, but if you were a winger, you wouldn't really want to be up against him, that's for sure. Nope, and deadly on the headers. Yeah, indeed. So we've got Branislav Ivanovic at right back. And now for the centre-back position, lots of lots of good players on this list, actually, I would say. So out of these, if, if you guys want to pick two, um, we'll start with uh, Nemanja Vidic, Dejan Stefanovic, Ivica Dragutinovic, Mataya Nastasic, and then there's the likes of Nevin Subotic, Nikola Milenkovic is kind of a, a younger player, Goran Bunjacevic, who... Sadly, I think is no longer with us. We've got mm-hmm. Sinisa Mihailovic and Nikola Maksimovic. So I'll pose those to you, Milos, first. If two of those, or if I've missed anybody else out, are names that you'd like to throw into this 11. I would uh, definitely put Vidic in there, of course. I mean, one of the best defenders ever, right? So can't really go wrong with that. And he literally carried us, his defensive play carried us to two World Cups. So that can't be, uh, can't be scoffed at as well. Uh, he would be there with, for me. And then uh, the other choice, it's tough. We had some decent players, but they didn't really stick or didn't really have much of an impact for over the long term. I would say just based on how, who I like and who's my favorite player, I would put Shinshi Mihailovic beside uh, Vidic. Why not? <laughs> I think he deserves to be there more than anyone else uh, we had some pretty good center backs as well London Kristajic was really good in, in a couple for a couple of years there as well Nicola Link, which is really good now other than the shocking game he had against Portugal but um, we had a lot of center backs but it's just they were never that consistent other than Vidic and, and Subotic was good for for a moment as well but didn't really play that long. Nastasich had some good games, but struggled as well. So a lot of them have been kind of hit or miss. So I'll go with the legend, Sinchimhalovic, for sure. I'm glad you brought up, even though he didn't make it in, uh, Mladen Kristajic, because I'd forgotten about him. I'm a big fan of his actually back from his days at Schalke. He was a brilliant, brilliant mm-hmm. centre-back. Um, but I think, yeah, Mihailovic and Vidic are, well, more than fair shouts. Joe, do you have an opinion on any other two names or any other names? I mean, Nevin Subotic at Dortmund, I always thought was um, him, him and Hummels mm-hmm. had that fantastic partnership for a few years. Um, so he's probably got to get a mention. And I guess for me, a sort of a, a particularly special name in there is um, Goran Bunjacevic, sadly no longer with us. But um, in my early years of going to Spurs, he, he was in the Spurs team. He played centre midfield as well, actually. But he was, um, he was quite a classy player, um, Goran Bunjacevic. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he was, he was well-liked at Spurs. Um, yeah, very, very sad um, that he's no longer with us. But I thought, yeah, had to, had to mention Goran. 
maybe we've got like I guess Vidic and then a hybrid of Subotic and, and Mihailovic as, as the other uh, centre-back yeah. partner um, but Joe if you want to whip out the left-backs Sure so again we've got three options and there is there's one strong contender but let's, so let's read through them first so we've got um, Alexander Kolarov um, um, as one of them we've then got Alexander Lukovic and then to Top it off, we've got Ivan Obradovich. Um, Milos, what what do you think about those three players? Yeah, left back, uh, Kolarov, uh, very long career for the national team. He's not very, like, not very well liked right now because of uh, <laughs> certain comments as well as the Scotland game where uh, we were left with no left back because he decided not to play. So some, some fans are... Not very uh, you know, fond of him right now. But I think over the long haul, he's probably been the best left back. Uh, there's a couple other players you can mention as well. Ivica Dragutini, which was a very solid left back for us for quite a few years, even Obradovic as well. But for the last 10 years, it's been basically Kolarov and only him. And he's done a decent job. He scored some big goals, scored a winning goal against Costa Rica at the World Cup, the last World Cup. So he's defending uh, not the best at times, but he doesn't really have much competition on that position, unfortunately. Between him and Dragutini, which I'll give it to Colado. Yeah. And one of the few players brave enough to play for Lazio and Roma. As well. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> and Inter. Yeah. Yeah, brave man, Alexander Kolarov. But yeah, what a <laughs> rocket of a left foot um, that man has. Oh, yeah. Then I guess uh, let's move on to the wingers. So I would have to, yeah, agree with Kolarov at uh, left back. For right midfield, I've got the likes of Milos Krasic, Dusan Tadic, Lazar Markovic, and Andrea Zivkovic, who was kind of fabled to be the next big thing, I believe, once upon a time. Um, Milos, how do you feel about those names? Hey, is having a really good season in Greece, so he might still yet be the next big thing. We'll see. But <laughs> yeah, he's had a definitely a detour in his career. Um, right wing, Milos Krasic was excellent for a time. Uh, we also had uh, Predag Djordjevic before that, who was also an ex- excellent winger. He's played his, most of his career at Olympiakos in Greece. Um, I would say for me, Dusan Tadic, uh, for sure, he's been the backbone of the national team for the last uh, 10 years. He's been our best player for the last 10 years. He's been the best player in this generation. He's set up so many goals for us, scored a lot of goals for us as well. And I think when he plays well, we play well. And when he doesn't play well, we generally don't play well. And I think he's one of the classiest Serbian players ever, in, in my opinion. And it's... Uh, uh, for sure him he would be my starter there so joe dusan tadic who seems like a fine wine to just get better with age is he your guy or uh or maybe milos krasic from his cska and juventus days I mean, how do you feel i mean yeah i did in that period where krasic um was playing really well he was incredibly mm-hmm. exciting to watch i think he always used to wear a snood as well for some reason i have a memory <laughs> of um with him but yeah he was he was he was really exciting to watch but i uh, know i mean Dusan Tadic, a fantastic footballer. Even when he was at Southampton, he was always. Um, I know he's he, at points he didn't maybe play as well as people would have hoped, but he he was pretty good for them as well. And yeah, I mean that Champions League run they had, um, Tadic was pretty sublime throughout. Um, I think he's a very worthy um, 
right midfielder in this team. Yeah, he gets the spot. Um, Joe, I think you've got a bunch of centre midfielders for us to pick from. God, yes, we do have um, we do have a lot of centre midfielders to go through, a position where Serbia have actually produced quite a lot of good players. So um, let's read them out and then we can try and remember all of them and um, select two of them. So we've got um, Dejan Stankovic, Sergei um, Malinkovic-Savic, Nemanja Gadelj, Luka Milijevic at Crystal Palace, Sasa Ilic, Nemanja Matic, Nenad Milias of Wolves fame, um, <laughs> Filip Djuricic, um, Slavisa Jakanovic, um, of course, lots of connections to England there, and then Zdravko Kuzmanovic. Um, Milos, out of those names, who's really calling out to you there? Yeah, a lot of great midfielders over the years. Uh, Dan Stockovic, for sure, captain of the national team for 10 years, uh, great player, great leader. Um, played at three different World Cups with three different countries. <laughs> it was all the same country, but under a different name, but um, he has that record. Um, yeah, for sure, him. Uh, can't really go wrong with that. And then beside him, uh, it's a tough one. We had a lot of good midfielders, as you mentioned, Jokanovic, guys like that. Um, I would put, personally, uh, just because the man he is, I'll put Nemi Matic there. Uh, such a such a great guy had a great career um he's helped so many people uh out in serbia his whole hometown he plays he pays all their bills basically the guys like santa claus is one of the nicest kindest men ever one of the best people you ever meet uh so i'll put him there just just based on his great career and because he's an amazing person that seems like a very good reason to put him in and he was yeah he was a well he is what my talking about was he is a Still very playing. Good- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Still, still playing the Premier League, and he, he is a very good player. Kai, um, is there any other names you'd like to um, bring to our attention that um, particularly stand out to you? Well, I think I was probably the one who threw Nenad Milihas in there, just because what a left foot the guy had. Um, yeah. Once described by Mick McCarthy as a great technician of the ball after I think he scored a good free kick against, might even have been Burnley back in the day, but I might just be making that up, talking nonsense. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, Stankovic, who can forget the the first time volley from the halfway line against, I think, Manuel Neuer in the Champions League. And then, um, yeah, why not for a bit of right foot, left foot balance, throw throw Matic alongside him. If you can be at Chelsea, leave, and then get re-signed for a ton of money, that's always going to make me laugh and happy that Chelsea have essentially overpaid for a player. But Well, not overpaid because he, he, he was a very valuable player, but the fact that they had him at one point in time and then let him go. So those two are my centre midfielders, Matic and Stankovic. They're going to be the guys. Moving on to the left wing, we have some good names here. We've got the likes of Filip Kostic, Milan Jovanovic, Zoran Tosic, Adam Lajic, and Bosko Jankovic. Milos, have I missed anyone out? Oh, there's a lot of good wingers. (laughs) It's hard to remember them all. But if we're talking like from the 2000 on... um, tough one uh, I would say probably Milan Jovanovic he was such a such a legend during the 2010 World Cup qualifying campaign he's a guy that wore his heart on the sleeve gave maximum effort every time and uh, his goal against Germany in the World Cup to beat Germany I mean how many players can say they scored a goal at the World Cup that that beat Germany he's one of those players that can say that and that's that means a lot and I remember that game like it was yesterday. And I think every Serbian person does. So he's always a legend for that. And I always put him in my team uh, based on that alone. 
And also, I remember the good old days. I used to love watching Nenamiya uh, Shatabalanu. <laughs> Can't go wrong with that. I'll put it yeah. in my team too. <laughs> with Yovanovic, um, I remember him being wonderful for, a, I believe, a standard Liège side once upon a time. But then he was part of that kind of ill-fated Roy Hodgson tenure at yeah. Liverpool where it didn't didn't quite work out. Even, I guess, Lazar Markovic would probably follow in his footsteps as far as yep. not working out at Liverpool. And now Marco Gruic as well. <laughs> yeah. oh God, is, he, is he doing all right at Berlin now? Is that... In Porto? No, he's in Porto now. Oh, he's in Porto. He's in the Champions League last week. He did really well. So he's doing pretty good. He he's done well on all his loans. Mm. He did really well for Hertha Berlin. He's doing well for Porto. So uh, I don't know what's next for him, but it doesn't seem like he's going to get a chance at Liverpool. But wherever he goes, I'm sure he'll have a good career. Mm. So, Joe, do we think Jovanovic is the guy? I mean, he's an iconic Serbian player. I think, yeah, we're in the UK, we're maybe a bit biased to the fact, like you said, Kai, he was part of that uh, that unfortunate Liverpool side. But, um, oh, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, Zoran Tosic, he, he had some early promise at United. I mean, Lilic was there as well, but he's seemingly gone on to have a great career since. But you know what? He scored the winner against Germany. So Jovanovic has got to be in the team, hasn't he? For sure. And, yeah, Zoran Tosic as well had a very long national team career. Handy player. Uh, you know, always a, always, a, always a good hand to have on, on the team. But I, I think it just in terms of, uh, you know, what they've done and what they've accomplished, Milianovic scored a goal that took us to the World Cup, and he scored a goal to beat Germany at the World Cup. And that's hard to compete with. <laughs> Certainly. And now, um, now we've got um, two strikers to choose from. And actually, it's going to be fun reading out this list of names because Serbia have had some fantastic strikers. Um, I think that's safe to say. So we've got um, we've got Nikola Zigic, Alexander Mitrovic, Marko Pantelic, Mateja Kesman, Luka Jovic, Dusan Vlahovic, Danko Lazovic, and Darko Kovacevic. So have you got a particular favourite out of those names, Milos? You forgot to say uh, Salad Milosevic as well. He played oh, uh, until two thousand and six. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, a lot of uh, <laughs> and Dusan Vlahovic now. Dusan Vlahovic, one of the best young players in Europe. Seventeen Serie goals this year. Uh, so a lot of strikers to choose from. But I would say number one, without a doubt, Mitrovic, absolute legend. Doesn't matter if he's playing two minutes a game for Fulham. He's going to come in, score against Portugal, score against Ukraine, score against whoever doesn't really matter he always shows up for the shirt uh, he gives maximum effort 150 million percent every time he plays for serbia he wears his heart on the sleeve he's the hardest worker he leads everyone into battle he'll die for the shirt every single game uh, he's absolutely beyond loved by everyone in serbia and he's an absolute legend he's got the record for national team goals of 41 actually maybe 42 now um, he scores every game it's hard to keep track but um, he's He's undisputed number one striker to me uh, just because of what he's done. He's literally carried him and Tadic have carried the team for the last 10 years. Without them, we would be, God knows where we would be. We'd be much worse <laughs> than we are. We're not that great, but we'd be even worse than we are right now without those guys. And Mitro is an absolute legend. Oh, well, Mitrovic, yeah, a fantastic player. Not playing for Fulham as much at the moment, but maybe they need to start playing him if they want to, they want to stay up. But um Kai, is there um, is there someone you want to partner Mitrovic? Is there a name that's particularly um, stood out to you out of that list? Well, just on Mitrovic still quickly, if being at the Carling Cup final when Zigic scored against us wasn't enough, I was also at the Emirates when I believe Mitrovic scored a hat-trick for Anderlecht when we were 3-0 up against 
the Belgian side in the Champions <laughs> League. So yeah, a little, little bit of heartache <laughs> goes a long way with me. And actually, I, I respect the guy a lot. So he'll definitely earn his place but alongside him. Um, I am partial to Marco Pantelic, who I once fell in love with, I believe, back on FIFA 2009 or something like that <laughs> in his Hertha Berlin days. Hertha Berlin um, legend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, such a cult player. And um, he's had a great career. Kind of, as I mentioned earlier, had a bit of a stuttering start. I did a bit of research, didn't even realize that he was at PSG in his, his very mm-hmm. early days, but he really came back in a big way, um, kind of in his mid-20s and salvaged a, a brilliant career at club and national level. So I might want to throw his name in as far as Blahovic. This guy is, you know, besides Holland, for instance, this season, one of the top young strikers in Europe. And so he could really go a long way. But <sighs> Nikola Zigic, you got to love a footballer who's six foot eight and has you know i believe during his racing santander days would have been when i really kind of became enamored with the guy so mitrovic is big enough but why not throw zigic alongside him um <laughs> but milos i'll let you have a bit more of a definitive say on on um mitrovic's partner um i would just based on who i like based on who i i always been a fan of i would put zigic there as well just because it's just a lovable, go- lovable guy it's not because i think he's you know the most quality player or, or he deserves to be there more than somebody else. But I think it's just, I just really liked him as a player. He's, he's a good guy. He always made funny faces. He tried hard, uh, a little clumsy. You, sometimes you lose headers to like guys that were five foot two somehow, even though he's seven, six foot eight, but it happens. Uh, he just, he was very frustrating at times as well. Him and Puntlich were uh, a partnership for a long time. Both of them, you know, sometimes they struggle to finish and it's very frustrating, but at the end of the day, I always loved the guy, loved his effort. And uh, he scored, I'll never forget when he scored 13 goals in 19 games in La Liga for Racing Santander. What can you say? Like, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, and I know he's a, he's a cult hero and legend of Birmingham as well. Won him the cup, scored a lot of big goals. Um, He's making a lot of money for them as well. And maybe he didn't earn all of it at times. But I think if you ask Birmingham fans, they, they, they'll all, most of them will say they love the guy for the character he was, the big goals he scored, and, you know, the, the entertainment that he brought them. And, and I feel the same way. I, just for the entertainer he brought me when I was, when I was younger, I, I would put him in my team for sure. Yeah, Zigic, who off the back of that Santander spell earned the right to strike partner David Villa. For, uh, I think mm-hmm. at least a season or so at Valencia again didn't quite work out there but at least we got to see him in the Premier League eventually I suppose but that just about does it in terms of that team so let me just go back through it in goal we've got Pedrag Rajkovic right back Branislav Ivanovic the centre backs are Nemanja Vidic and then we couldn't quite split Nevin Subotic and Sinisa Mihailovic the left back is definitely Alexander Kolarov we got Dusan Tadic on the right, midfield pairing of Stankovic and Matic. On the left is Milan Jovanovic. And then to round things out, Nikola Zigic and Alexander Mitrovic up top. That team, I think, would definitely be qualifying for tournaments for years to come. Full of uh, fan favorites as well, right? <laughs> yeah, no, a good team and good characters, as, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's as much time as we have for today. I want to thank my co-host, Joe, and say a very special thank you from both of us Milos for joining us we hope you've enjoyed being our guest Milos and how can our listeners best follow you and all things Serbian football that's right follow us on uh, Twitter at Serbian footy uh, 
post every day, everything related to Serbian football and, and other things as well. Uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy to follow us. And we also have a podcast called the Serbian Football Show, which you can find on YouTube as well as uh, SoundCloud and anywhere else. Um, yeah. If you're interested in the crazy world of Serbian football, it's all in English as well. So, so no problem. Come on, come on the train. <laughs> well, thanks again, Milos. Um, on our end of things, if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please do give us a follow across our social media channels. We are at United Mates FP on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our website for even more content. That's unitedmatesfp.com. And then if you feel like putting some faces to these voices, look us up on YouTube under United Mates Football Podcast. And don't forget to click that subscribe button while you're at it. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye.